1: And we are recording.
0: We're recording. Hey guys. Everyone good? Hello. Did you guys go out and you? buy your winning one billion dollar lotto ticket yet?
1: Yeah, I got mine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> You're sharing, right? When you
1: <clears throat> I'm sharing with everybody. I I have I have no kids, no nieces, nephews, whatever. If I win a billion dollars, everybody's gonna get a little bit.
2: Nice.
1: Except for Joe. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Joe's maybe, gonna get he'll, a
0: maybe he'll share some of the gazpacho he just made with you in exchange for a little he, bit of it he did <laughs> and
1: i forgot it in the office so i'm gonna have oh, it up on monday and...
0: sharing oh i didn't realize it was gazpacho yeah day, well
3: i so. didn't know you you like I'll, i will ha- i'll be happy to share yeah please Brendan, you too if you if you'd like some
0: yeah but you didn't put cilantro in it which is interesting because a lot of people have like that weird cilantro aversion where it tastes like
4: soap. it's like one of the. I love cilantro.
1: I do not like I do not like cilantro at all. I can't eat anything with it in it.
0: Does it taste like soap to you or something?
1: I've never noticed the, the soap thing, but it could be that in subconscious. I just don't like it okay. at all. I don't like the taste.
3: I love cilantro too and and I've heard it's a it's like something in your yeah. genes or your enzymes or something, right? Yeah.
4: There's a meme that says there's a gene that makes 10% of people uh, hate cilantro and be super, super whiny about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, you probably do feel like a spoiled brat when you walk into a restaurant. It's like, is there cilantro in here? Are you sure? Can I talk to the chef and make sure there's no cilantro? In here? Yeah. And that never, that never goes over well with wait staff, I'm thinking. But, yeah. You know. Well, why do they need to
1: put it in there in the first place is my question.
0: Well, those of us who like wow. it really like it. That's why I guess maybe we need to bring your own, like you, or maybe they have little baggies at the entrance to restaurants where if you like cilantro, you put it on yourself.
3: I'd like to be seated in the cilantro <laughs> section. <please>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we're not talking about cilantro today, although we are talking about cilantro today. But let me do the introductions first. So everybody knows who these witty participants are on our podcast today. So um, back again is Bill Sutton. Hey, Bill.
1: Hi, Annette. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the Managing Editor of the Express News
0: Group. Also uh, here is Brendan O'Reilly. Hi, Brendan.
4: Hi, Annette. Hi, everybody. My name is Brendan. I am the Deputy Managing Editor.
0: And Joe Shaw is here with his gazpacho. Hi, Joe.
3: Yes, we've got a big glass of gazpacho, which is how I drink it. Hi, I'm Joe Shaw. I'm Executive Editor of the Express News Group. And I'm
0: Annette Hakelund. I'm the Arts and Living Editor of the Express News Group. And today we are not talking about tomatoes or cilantro, but we are talking about the food habits of another creature and that is our resident sharks. If it's summer we're making all sorts of headlines here on the east end of Long Island with the shark population. People just like to get all worked up about sharks but we've had a few incidences on Long Island that have been a little uh, nerve-wracking I think. So I think there's been like what six shark bites in the past few weeks along the whole stretch of Long Island. It seems like a lot of them are further west from where we are. And none of these bites were particularly grievous. Nobody died from the from the shark bites. So Brendan, I think that you had a a story in the July 28th issue where you um wrote about two young sharks that had washed ashore. Those were white sharks?
4: They were white sharks, as most of us would call them great white sharks. So I've been admonished by some who says that great is a fabrication at the that their name is really just white shark, but it just doesn't sound as cool to call them white sharks.
1: It's not as scary. <laughs> yeah.
4: Like I don't know. Maybe they were mediocre white sharks because they were <laughs> juveniles. Uh they, you know, one was like five to six feet, the other one was seven to eight. And you know, if you look at the photos, they don't look like the same sharks. Well, one of them looks like something had been nibbling on it. So uh the Experts I talked to, you know, they were confident that these were two different sharks. It wasn't just that the same shark washed up again. Although the first shark that washed up and was taken back out to sea uh, hasn't been seen again, unless somebody found it and didn't report it. But they are a protected species. If you find a dead shark on the beach, you're not allowed to take it. You're not allowed to break a tooth off and keep it. Um, you, You have to stay back and not touch it, even though it is deceased what happens is uh, different organizations will come in, whether it be the DEC or U.S. Fish and Wildlife or the South Fork Natural History Museum's shark program, they will take the sharks, they will perform a necropsy, and they will send out samples for analysis to different labs that study sharks. So the second shark was found uh, in time for people to actually drag it out of the waves and make sure it didn't wash back out again. Uh Southampton Police Marine Patrol picked it up, and then I believe it was the DC ended up with it. They did the necropsy, and I was told by uh, Frank Cavado at SOFO that the shark's stomach was empty, which would be a sign that it's sick. Uh, that's what happens a lot with the big fish uh, and marine mammals. If they cut them open and their stomachs empty, that's a big giveaway that they were sick, and that's why they stopped eating and that's why they died uh there's other things that could happen though you know they never net seed that first shark so it could have been that somebody had hooked it and kept it out of the water too long and sharks need to move in the water in order to breathe it could have been that it was caught in a net by commercial fishermen commercial fishermen aren't allowed to keep these sharks uh whether they're alive or dead they have to throw them back but if the if a shark is caught in a net for more than 10 15 minutes It actually suffocates because it can't get oxygen into its gills if it's not moving through the water. So sometimes it's really hard to tell why these sharks have died. Uh, But there's a lot of value in studying a dead shark versus a live shark because they can do things like take all these samples. Generally, when scientists capture a great white shark, they have less than 15 minutes to take a blood sample, figure out what sex it is, measure it and get it back in the water so it survives. And in that time, they're also tending to tag these sharks so they have an idea of how they move around the ocean. So you could go on the Osearch website and monitor where sharks that were captured off of Long Island have traveled, and they go pretty far. And one of the most exciting things is that we have a great white shark or white shark nursery off Long Island. Uh, So that would explain why these two juveniles showed up. Can
0: I first clarify exactly where these two sharks were found? Because I don't think we've really mentioned. So the first one that washed back out to sea was um, in Quag. Is that correct?
4: Yes, that was Quag. Quag Village Police responded to that one. The second one uh, was on Dune Road. It's where Hampton Bays and East Quag uh, kind of overlap near Hot Dog Beach.
1: And it was kind of bad timing, for this because there had been some uh shark bites um in the in the week or two weeks um prior to these white sharks um washing up the shark bites you know further further up west um you know on the, on the south shore but i think everybody was in uh, a hyper state uh, about sharks at the time and none of those none of those bites were white sharks i don't think either i don't think so
3: i don't think they believe so
4: no, they were probably all dogfish.
3: Mm, interesting. Yeah, Brendan, I, I, I was going to ask you about the, I think that's really fascinating that um, our waters really are an area to have two juvenile white sharks wash up might seem sort of startling, but it's not really unusual. There's a, there's a lot of young sharks in our waters, right?
4: Yeah. So that's the, the idea of the nursery that these are sharks that spend some time of their life here. They're not just passing through.
0: I have a, a podcast that we did a year ago with Chris Paparo. He's from SOFO's Shark Research and Education Program, part of the field team. So he had some um, some interesting background so to share with us.
2: Speculate, uh, you know, scientists have always assumed that the New York Bight, which is pretty much from Cape May, New Jersey to Montauk, that little triangle of water um, known as the New York Bight, was always known as a nursery grounds, going back as far as 1800 um from 1800 to 2010 there were over 600 white sharks recorded in that area from either recreational fishing commercial fishing scientific surveys washing up dead so it's always been speculated that they were here uh in 2015 our team caught a young of the year white shark and that's the thing too so those at those 600 most of those sharks were under four were around four feet so they were all young of the year so that's where it was like all right this might be an important nursery ground so it hadn't been confirmed but then in 2015 we caught a young of the year white shark we tagged it with a psat which is a pop-off satellite or arch- archival tag and we found out later that we were the first ones to ever do that to a white shark a baby white shark in the atlantic uh that got the attention of osearch chris fisher and osearch uh and he'd heard the same paper or read the same research papers we had that you know it's always been speculated that there was a nursery in this area After we caught that one, he was like, Hey, let's see if we can try to finally prove that this is the case. Uh, And over two summers with OSearch, we tagged 20 young of the year white sharks right off of Montauk, uh, which kind of secured that fact that, like, all right, yes, there is a nursery around here. Because now we had data of these sharks going back and forth from Montauk to New York City and back and forth using the New York bite. And then many of these sharks came back a second year and a third year. Um, So it's We've kind of confirmed that this is a nursery. And I do want to point out that it's a nursery, but we do not know where they're born. We speculate they're probably born a little further south, and then they move north, um, but we're not sure. We just know that they hang out here for protection.
4: The reason why we didn't see great white sharks washing up with regularity probably has a lot to do with the bunker population, also known as Atlantic Manhattan. These are the fish that a few years ago, they put restrictions on how many of these fish could be harvested. So once these fish were left alone, their populations kind of exploded. They get close to shore, which means the sharks get close to shore. The whales get close to shore, the ospreys get fed, the eagles get fed, the striped bass get fed. So these bunker, which are not fish that humans eat because they're just not tasty, they do support a lot of other marine life.
2: Honestly, it's the most important fish in the ocean uh, locally, at least in the Atlantic here. Um, You know, you can't eat them. And when I tell you can't eat something, you, you take that to the bank because I'll eat everything and anything. Uh, I've tried to, and I've tempted eating bunker. I've done everything that you're supposed to do. And every time I fillet them, I'm like, well, this is just stupid. I'm um, what am I doing here? Um, but so nobody really ever cared about them, but people said f- still fished for them. And, uh, they would fish for them for bait to catch and quote air quotes, better stuff like tuna, shark, lobster, uh, or there was the bigger fishery for them as known as a reduction fishery. So the boats go out and they, pull up millions of tons of these bunker and they reduce them into other stuff such as makeup fish supplements uh fish meal for like aquaculture um fish uh livestock so for one of of the other things
0: things that that. chris mentioned um in our podcast last year was that the um the the great whites that we're seeing here or the white sharks i should say that we're seeing here are the juveniles and they're not yet really ready to go after large prey like seals which i believe is what the big issue has been up in cape cod where you have great white sharks um, attacking more people it seems like they've had more severe uh, great white shark attacks probably because they have bigger great white sharks that are going for the seal population that is can often be confused i guess with a swimmer whereas the bunker are you know maybe what 12 inches long tops so these are not fish that uh the sharks are likely to confuse with with human prey. And um, that might be part of the reason why you're not getting the severe shark attacks that maybe you're seeing in Florida or um, up in Cape Cod area.
2: And earlier, you know, sharks really aren't out there to eat people. Uh, All the species that I mentioned, uh, including the great white, uh, locally are here to feed on fish. You know, they're all fish eaters. Um, The great whites that we deal with are are babies. They're about a year, less than a year old. Some of them are about three to six months old. They're about four foot long when they're born. Uh, so at that size, they're really not targeting seals or turtles or large stuff. They're eating flounder, skates, dogfish, and most importantly, Atlantic menhaden, which is better known locally as well.
0: So what do we think of like, it just seems like, I don't know, that there's just been so many sensationalistic headlines out there. Like somebody gets like a, a, a shark bite on their foot and it's like, you know, some not this publication, but others are like shark attack, attack, attack. You know, like what do we think of the, the 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 way that they drum up the? I mean, I even saw this like on the national news. You know, they were
3: oh, this this gets everybody everybody gets very excited about this.
1: I I got a call from my my father in 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 Myrtle Beach, and he asked me what was going on with the sharks up here. So he saw it, he saw it somewhere. They
0: got big ones down in Myrtle Beach too. He better watch out down there.
1: Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. In these trying times, working full-time for their clients and the public interest, providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com.
0: 27 Speaks, brought to you by Sag Harbor Books and Southampton Books, independent bookstores located in the villages at 7 Main Street in Sag Harbor and 16 Hampton Road in Southampton, carrying a wide selection of new books, stationery, toys, games, first editions, and rare books. Their entire inventory is browsable on the website, Southamptonsagharborbooks.com. Now hiring booksellers at both locations.
3: Did Mike Wright did a very big feature for us recently, and he pointed out something that I think is really interesting is that Jaws, when Peter Benchley wrote Jaws, it was actually set here, not on uh, Martha's Vineyard. Island. Yeah. Right. Or, yeah. It
0: also, also Peter Benchley based that, that shark attack on um, a New Jersey shark, in probably the 50s is actually where the real incident came from. There was a, a shark that had killed several people. I think it was the 50s, maybe it was even earlier, um, around Raritan Bay, New Jersey. And it actually came pretty far up into the bay, but there was several attacks back then. So um, it just keeps moving down the coast. So tell your dad to watch out because Myrtle Beach is- yeah, he, do- he
1: doesn't go in the water.
0: Right? No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't go in the water.
3: That's the funny thing to me. I, I don't like being in the water. I don't like swimming in the ocean. Not even that much of a fan of swimming in the bay. I don't even like swimming in – I just don't like swimming in water where I can't see what's underneath me, Um, and it's not out of fear. I'm just more sort of like, you know, I don't know what's down there. you
4: got to get water shoes. Yeah,
3: I do. I almost never go in the water without water shoes, um, unless it's a swimming pool, obviously.
4: But – You know, I don't mind the ocean because I go out far enough that my feet never touch the ground, and if they do, you're going to touch sand. It can be really unpleasant walking out in the bay when there's crabs and sharp broken uh clamshells all under your feet and muscles and uh it always feels like there's something gross about to touch your ankle or poke your foot so you you know you just get some aquatic shoes and you can
3: but then you have the whole relax. the whole issue of uh um
0: ugh,
4: my mind just went blank uh
0: the
3: shark attacks no the uh yeah,
0: despacho freeze. <laughs> I've just got a total J-
3: jellyfish.
0: jellyfish jellyfish thank you
3: um, that, that I worry that, that oh, I'm going to run anything, into a jellyfish yeah. and...
4: but if there's jellyfish you'll know it because there's so many that you see it you don't like have one jellyfish creep up on you
3: so you don't think there's a lone jellyfish out there with my name on it that's what I worry about I'm I'm done. Done. It's been waiting, <laughs>
4: waiting years Joe
1: for you to come back in the ocean I know he's coming back
0: <laughs> so i had a, I had a friend that was swimming at long beach a couple of years ago it might have been like late summer early fall and um and he and he went underwater and looked and he said there were like thousands of spider crabs crawling on the bottom of the so he said it was amazingly beautiful but i think it would also be creepy 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 to look you know how long Very those creepy. legs are they just are like crawling on the beach like giant spiders underneath underneath the water yeah, that's... what lies beneath
3: and I love the idea that, you know, setting, setting the story straight that we're swimming with sharks all the time if you're in the ocean. I mean, they're, they're there and they're around. And I, I like the fact that we were able to reset the narrative a little bit to say that yeah. this is a good thing. I mean, look, shark, sharks are not attacking humans. That's not, that's not happening. What's happening is sharks are occasionally farther to the west we have to point out hasn't really happened here but um off of parts of the island you know sharks sharks make tentative bites to to test and see if something is something they want to eat and um i think in each of these cases that's what it was it was not a i mean sharks can cause a lot of damage with a small bite but um you know there are not sharks out there marauding looking for humans to to eat and and attack and it's it needs to be said, but having the sharks around is a really healthy thing. It's a good sign.
1: According it's- according to Chris Paparo, there were only seventy three unprovoked shark bites around the world last year in a, in a single year. So it it's not like
4: what about the provoked ones? Well, the provoked ones there <laughs> were a lot more. I
1: imagine if you're gonna if you're gonna poke this shark with a stick, it's gonna it's gonna bite <laughs> Who you. Who
4: provokes but- a shark?
1: Those jackass guys.
0: That are out there. But Brendan, is there any way to tell what sort of sharks bit the six or so people that did get bit by sharks? Like, can they tell?
4: I'm sure that the experts could look at the the bite pattern and get a good idea of what the sharks are. And actually, when we first posted the photos of the first white shark that were released by Quag Police people were commenting and they were like, oh, that's a salmon shark. Oh, that's a poor beagle. And I started to get concerned, like I've been told by a bunch of people, this is a white shark. And you know, what if the commenters are right? Um, So I was doing some Google lens searches on it to see if the AI thought it was a great white, and it did. And when I talked to the people at Sofo who do this professionally, they said it's certainly a white shark. And for that second shark, the person who supplied the photos and who I interviewed about it is Katrina Windsor. And she used to work at the long Island aquarium, not directly with sharks, but when you work at the long Island aquarium, things rub off. And what they say is you could tell uh, shark species apart by their teeth. So if nothing else, that's a dead giveaway. And that would make me think that if you, see the teeth impressions of somebody's bite you can determine whether it was a dogfish mako what have you
0: bite radius that was a term in jaws i remember i was gonna it say called. they
4: just need to get richard dreyfuss to come in
0: bite radius let's talk bite radius so um so that photo brendan that we ran in the paper of the great white that washed ashore and quag it looks kind. Like, it looks like it's kind of skinny did anybody comment on the condition mm. uh, and is that tell? did that tell them anything based on the photo what what the shark may have been dealing with
4: there was an impression that it hadn't been eating and that would explain why it had died because it, it apparently looked kind of emaciated um, and it actually almost looks alive like when yeah. it, th- they have this perfect picture of it where the shark is up on its stomach looking <laughs> into the camera mouth wide open and it looks like it could have actually been alive. But uh, before that photo was taken, it was just tumbling in the surf. So the determination is like, yeah, that that's a dead shark. Not
1: not for nothing, a little scary because it's a white shark. It's a great white shark and it's got the big teeth. And you look at that and you're like, you know, there's a primal, a primal instinct there. That's like, Oh, it's a, you know, it's a little, it's a little scary. Especially if
0: you're in the water and you can't see what's underneath you.
4: We had another reader contact us mentioning that they had seen some sharks and she was convinced it was a white shark, but um, I sent the photo uh, also to Sofo and I believe what they said, yeah, it was a sand tiger shark. And that was confirmed by a biologist. Mm. Um, you, that one was a bit easier to, to tell that it wasn't a white shark, I thought, because the eye color was different. Uh, one of the nicknames for Jaws or, or great whites in general is black eyes. And a sand tiger shark does not have those creepy black eyes that the white shark does.
0: Like a doll's mm. eye. <laughs> My God, Jaws
3: has just driven itself into our consciousness. Hasn't it? It's amazing how that movie single-handedly, I think turned sharks into something that everybody is terrified of.
0: Actually, though, no, I mean, I'm kind of a sick puppy, but I, when I saw it, I was like in middle school or something and it made me, it made me just want to get out of the Midwest and live near the ocean. But <laughs> i may have also had a crush on richard dreyfus yeah. i always like short nerdy scientist guys he, I, he I just, was like 24 there's, there's no you
3: know there's no conversation about sharks you can have that doesn't revert to jaws at I some know.
0: point i know
3: you know over and over again it's amazing how much how much that's made it different i guess it's like jurassic park in the conversation about dinosaurs
0: well i actually have a story about that I, I had a friend um who would come out here as a kid with her with her um her parents and she, she when she was probably about 12 or so she begged her mom to let her go her little brother begged her their mom to let him go see jaws and she's like no because they had a house in west hampton beach she's like no she'll never go in the water again begged and begged and begged and the mom's like all right we'll go see Jaws, but we're immediately driving out to the ocean and you're going swimming. So that's what they did. <laughs> like two minutes after getting in the water, the lifeguard like blew the whistle to say there was a shark out there. So,
1: okay. No, no, no offense, but that sounds like child abuse.
0: <laughs> well, it was the seventies. <laughs> you could get away with stuff like that. Without CPF being. Kids were allowed to walk to school alone too, believe it or wow. not, back in those days and ride bikes without being like, you know, having child protective services called on you. So.
3: I don't think all of this has had any effect on people swimming out here, though, right? It didn't, didn't, hasn't seemed well,
4: to... Well, slip. other than the lifeguards not letting people yeah. go in the water. Yeah. Which is, at times. Which is why
0: it's important that you but, swim where there's a lifeguard, because they're actually, um, as we mentioned in our editorial, they're actually looking out for um, things coming down the beach, you know? And one sure sign that you might have a shark I mean, in your midst is if you see the big schools of bunker. Um, and I think it was really instructive. I, there's a lot of people that post uh, online images of what's happening in the water and some really cool drone shots. And when you see from above the sharks swimming in the school of bunker feeding, you can kind of get a better sense of what they're yeah, really like up the to out scenario. there.
2: As the food comes back, the predators come back with it. Um, you know, so, and, and that's that's a sign of a healthy environment. And that's one thing I think a lot of people don't always get is, you know, sharks need, a healthy environment. All top predators need a healthy environment. You know, they need a, the food chain below them to be strong and healthy. Otherwise, they're not going to be here. So, having sharks is a sign that you know what our waters aren't as bad as they might uh, seem to be at times.
0: So, you have this image when you're in the water of them like looking for you, but when you see them from above and there's like you know fifty thousand bunker and they're swimming through that, you kind of get a better. I think, picture of what's really happening out there and why if you happen to be swimming in the middle of that bunker, there's a chance that you might get bit by something. It's also a
3: good idea not to swim with jewelry yeah. because the mm-hmm. little flash of jewelry can sometimes look yeah. like bunker. Apparently that that actually does cause some of the bites. And it's not just sharks, by the way. You can get bit by other other fish with teeth that like the-
0: Well, bluefish, that, that's- Do you
4: remember a few years blue, ago? The bluefish- yeah. We, I think we were going to bring up the same thing, the bluefish. Do you mm-hmm. remember that guy? It was like a surfer or, or maybe it was just a swimmer. He had his toe almost bit off by by bluefish because they swarmed yeah. the shore and they're pretty vicious.
0: We were down at the beach yesterday, my husband and I, and we were there were some dolphins that we were watching right offshore. This is in Wayne Scott. And I was asking about that because I remember a few years ago when you would go swimming um, bluefish was the thing that the lifeguards were really looking out for because the bluefish would would swim parallel to the beach and they'll just sort of bite at everything and and I remember the lifeguards pulling people out um, when they would see schools of bluefish coming down the beach they have pretty nasty teeth the thing that's interesting is um my husband was saying that the bluefish populations are way down now and um he thinks it might just be there there you know there were so many of them that there were really no regulations on how many bluefish you could take um, and that he feels like you know he and his f- friends who do a lot of fishing from shore have really not seen bluefish lately so it seems like like those bluefish encounters um, while swimming have really dropped because the population
3: all the sharks ate them
0: maybe I don't know they <laughs> uh, yeah so, the, so the, yeah but that was an issue and that was the thing that you watched out for a few years ago was being bit by bluefish which I think can have probably you know I don't know if they're any nastier or less nasty than like these little these uh, shark bites that we've seen come up, but yeah, they could they could do some some damage for sure.
3: Yeah, bite to bite. Um, a bite
4: to bite.
0: Yeah.
4: Hi, this is Michael Wright. I'm a reporter for the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, and Twenty Seven eastcom I cover East Hampton Town and follow important stories about the environment, including the coming South Fork Wind Farm, its impact on the fishing industry, and other water quality issues. We follow East Hampton Town and village government, and I'm asking the tough questions and providing you with important answers. My colleagues and I in the editorial department work hard as watchdogs for this community, but we can't do it without our subscribers. If you find the work we're doing valuable to you, please subscribe by visiting 27east.com forward slash subscribe. Thank you very much.
0: So have you guys seen, have you guys been down at the ocean and seen much fin activity uh, while you've been at the beach?
3: I get this feeling that most of us who work out here, especially in the summer, just rarely get to the beach like we want to. And we have friends coming and that'll give us an excuse to go to the beach, but um, we don't get down there as much as we'd like to. Um, But we had the, Bill and I actually went um, fishing not too long ago off Montauk and that was fun but we didn't see any signs of didn't, didn't see a single shark no nah, didn't see any whales either which disappointed me because we went sort of in the area that the boat the boats go to see whales too and did, didn't get to see any of those but by the way that's the side benefit of all of this too is you get a lot, more, a lot more whales close to shore because of the bunker too
1: so, so now I have to bring up the you know the the movie Orca Joe.
3: <laughs> what about free orca, will? Is, orca is just not in the public consciousness in the same way so it, it, nobody's mm-hmm. afraid of whales well i mm-hmm.
0: think i think that, I think that in the, actually we were gonna my husband and i were gonna get up early today to go see the whales but he wanted to sleep in so we might go tomorrow but the, the good time to see the whales is really early like six thirty seven, um is where you have a better shot and i i think it's just because maybe they can see the, the bunker Or easier when the when the light is low in the sky so just to keep it in mind like the if you go down to the beach early you're going to have a a much better shot at seeing seeing the whales
3: um yeah we were actually out there early like that but just you know and i remember um one of the great things to do out here is to go whale watching off montauk i don't know that everybody even knows about the ability to do that but um we saw a ton of whales when we went
0: I actually volunteered on that boat one time, and I not only did we see a lot of whales, we also got to see one of the submarines, and it was like coasting right on the surface. Ooh. It was going right in front of the boat, and I was up on the bridge with the captain, and the, it was like it was I can't believe how fast those submarines go. And while we we're watching it, it just went and went right under the water. It was like oh, oh that's weird. cool. It's just like your tax dollars at work. <laughs> mm. It was fun. So, um, so any I think the other thing that's interesting is yeah, we, we, which we had mentioned. Um, is the whole idea that it's really smart to to swim where there's lifeguards out here because it's their job to kind of see what's happening on the beach and just their vantage point of being you know 15 feet in the air on those lifeguard chairs probably really is a lo- really allows them to see any dark shapes in the water that you need to be aware of and um, remember last year I was at main Beach down in East Hampton and we were not on the main part of the beach we were probably a quarter mile down and um we saw the lifeguards. They actually had the little um, like beach buggies, and they were going down there and launching out jet skis because I think that they saw something suspicious out there that they wanted to check, maybe a fin. So not only were they not, they were there were some lifeguards watching right where all the swimmers were, but these guys had gone down the beach and were actually out in the water trying to explore what the fin was that hadn't even gotten to the beach yet. So
3: yeah, we don't want to we don't want to bury the lead here, I Brendan. I think you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's been a shark. Uh, incident on the South Fork in years, like in memory, right? I I don't know that we've had any real incidents out here.
4: I can't think of any. And, you know, somebody could get bit by a shark, not really know if it was a shark or a bluefish or something else, and just never tell anybody. You know, it's not like every time somebody gets bit at the beach, it winds up in the news
0: mm-hmm that's true so would this keep any well other than the fact that you don't love swimming would this keep any of you out of the water
3: i'm always hesitant to begin with as i said and by the way if i got even nipped by something in the water you'd hear it because <laughs> i would be i would scream like a little girl and you would hear me
0: i thought maybe the shark would be like "Tastes like chicken <laughs> with a little bit of gazpacho thrown in <laughs> yeah bill are you a big swimmer
1: i i i'm not i was <laughs> years ago I i i like to go and i'm just i'm you know worry about rip currents and all that stuff and it's just so not so much
0: i find it can be really hard to get out of the ocean especially if it's kind of cliffy you know like i yeah. know uh, i don't have the Strength anymore. What about you, Brendan? Are you a swimmer?
4: Yeah, I love the ocean when it's like as big waves as possible. When I go to the ocean and it's flat, I'm like, well, what am I even doing here? This is lame. Uh sometimes
0: wow. so you go, go in into- Yeah,
4: I, I just like to uh, body surf, or sometimes I'll bring a you know, I'll bring a boogie board. And if you are worried about rip currents, that's a really good thing to have because you tie it to your wrist just like you would tie a surfboard to your wrist. And if you get pulled out by a rip current, you have a flotation device. And you just mm-hmm. wait there until somebody can come get you. Or you f- go parallel to the shore and you swim in past the rip current. Yeah. All right.
0: Hopefully it's not a great white that gets you. <laughs> 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 but it won't be. So, Brendan, where's your closest beach? Where do you go to to go ocean swimming?
4: Um, We are fairly close to Cupsog.
0: Mm. Okay. So you're a little closer where those shark encounters are taking place.
4: Yeah, not not quite a, as far west as Smith Point where they were actually closing the beach due to concerns about sharks.
0: I wonder any thoughts about why they it was there that it was was it just cuz there's more of a barrier beach out there or you know something about the water structure I wonder that makes them think that they're hanging out there. At Smith Point?
1: Mhm. I I I was thinking about it and I thought maybe it was just <clears throat> the fact that there's a lot of people at smith point all the time and and so maybe it's just a matter of of numbers that you know there's so many people in the water that 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 might be where it would happen
0: that you're gonna see have more reports because people actually yeah that's very true good point bill no good point
1: i just wanted to bring up you were talking about the the life cards and i i thought it was interesting and and mike's story they did a couple weeks ago that that he talked about them using drones now to uh to patrol the water and i just you know anytime you get you know technology like that to do something that that used to be you know just a a, something for humans to do um i think is is really interesting although i wonder about the buzzing drones over the beach and whether that would take away from some of the enjoyment of of people that are looking for you know um, quiet relaxation i guess as much as you can have at the beach but
0: I imagine they would only send them up, though, if they think there's a real concern. You know, I don't right? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's just I've learned a little bit just by being, you know, down there with my husband and his fisherman friends that, you know, you can really tell like he'll see stuff that I don't see. Like there are some some signs if you know what to look for, you know, like a little bit of splashing and some activity that would kind of lead you to maybe want to send up a drone, you know, yeah. I think that there's, yeah, I guess they're places. not
1: patrolling all day, you know, all day long. It's only if there's, you know, suspicion. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's definitely signs just like with rip currents. Like you, if you know what to look for, you kind of know where not to go. So, but always go to where there's a lifeguard guarding yeah. the beach. You know, we know what can happen. What What you... were the
1: other tips? So, you know,
0: um, basically don't swim in murky water. Right. Like I was saying, if you, if you can't really see what's around you, you might want to avoid it. Also avoid swimming at um, dawn and dusk, Mm. because that tends to be when sharks are more active and feeding. um, And that would be a time when you might be more likely to come in contact with them. And also dusk is, you know, by that point, the lifeguards are off duty. So another reason maybe to stay out of the water at night and you know we all saw jaws and what happened to chrissy in that first scene it was night there were like hippies playing guitar in a bonfire you just don't want to go in the water under this
3: hippies playing guitar attract sharks i think that's a scientific fact yeah
0: oh my god
1: you know and, and once she once she heard the the, the soundtrack <laughs> she should have known something gonna happen too
0: oh well you know she was already pretty far offshore so i think when she heard that music she just had to go for that bell booing and hang on for her life and what a
3: terrifying scene i mean i think Uh now it's i think now it's lost some of its luster but i remember seeing that for the first time and it was one of the most frightening things i'd ever seen
1: with her with it pulling her pulling her under and her bouncing back up
0: yeah yeah
1: just down and
0: Wait, they showed that on the lawn of the whaling museum a few years ago and um you know there was a whole generation of kids that hadn't seen it and man they still jumped especially when that guy's face comes out in the bottom of the boat yeah that was that <laughs> was the God scariest
3: <laughs> now the giant rubber shark eating um robert shaw towards the end is 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 a little less scary nowadays i think it looks a little ridiculous yeah. frankly but
4: well, that's why they hid the shark. One of the most effective directorial <laughs> techniques was because the fake shark looked so yeah, fake,
3: absolutely, and, it, and and not seeing it made it a lot scarier. That's why that first scene is so scary, is because you never yeah. see right. anything, and and and. But I thought, I think the actress never gets enough credit because I think she she really uh, she really pulled it off to show what it, how terrifying that would be. But oh. Uh, Ugh. it gives me chills just thinking about
0: it yeah that's a great this movie. is
3: this is my wife dana's favorite movie so
0: maybe we need to like the express news group needs to sponsor a showing of Ugh, it. i've seen it
3: so many
4: times now Ugh. they had it outdoors at south ham Art center too yeah
0: one of those one of those last scenes like the boat when it's almost sinking there's like do you ever see there was a um like a shooting star that comes into the- mm-hmm. isn't that cool like it took i bet a lot of people don't even notice that it's like there's a couple of them actually i'm like wow but
3: isn't that a that's a spielberg thing i think, I think and i wonder i don't if think was... when he was
0: 25 it was a thing i don't think when he made that movie that he would have had the the foresight to do that i think it was absolutely like Oh, uh, no. now
3: i want to know now i want to know if that shooting star was because i always thought that was a thing i thought that was like a spielberg trademark with the shooting star i character.
0: don't know we'll have to google that
1: well maybe the first maybe it was it was natural in, in Jaws and then he just took it from there and, and started putting it in his other movie.
0: Yeah, that's now we gotta find out. So that's your homework, all you listeners.
1: Can you call him Joe? Him I'll see phone. what I can do,
3: yeah. I also, mm-hmm. you know, tip of the hat to Robert Shaw for the uh the the monologue in that movie, which I think is one of my favorite monologues in a movie ever. Just you know, his whole monologue about the Indianapolis is yeah. such a great yeah. such a great movie scene. Yeah. None of this having anything to do with sharks, but just...
0: Well, except except that the Robert Shaw character of Quint was allegedly uh, based on Frank Munda's, mm-hmm. who was a fisherman out of Montauk, who was notorious for catching sharks using all sorts of nefarious techniques, but we won't get into that. Mm-hmm. I, would,
3: I would also say that Quint's story about the Indian, Indianapolis contributes to why we're so afraid of sharks these days, because his story makes it sound like the sharks are... You know that that it's they're they're coming after people, and that makes them terrifying in that way. But
0: he certainly did in that case.
3: Yeah, he Maybe. he sold it well. <laughs> well nice bit so, of
0: acting there. Yeah, terrifying mm. generations to come. So. Yes. If you go in the water, heed our advice. If
1: you hear the Jaws theme song, get out of the water.
2: You'll need a bigger boat. I give a lecture on sharks, you know, and people right away are like, I'm never going swimming again. Oh, my God. Because especially when they hear where we catch the white sharks, you know, we're 40 feet of water, 50 feet of water. We're less than a mile from the beach. And for a shark, that's nothing. But that same person who's afraid to go swimming now will jump in their car, you know, start playing with the radio talking to their friend behind them and the, or on the phone or trying to text or eat a hamburger, they're going to die in a car crash before they even ever see a shark. And that's the realistic part of it. And, you know, I mean, uh, how many people you know, have been bit by a shark, you know? And uh, so that's, I, I wish people had the fear of driving as they do with sharks. The biggest message that I, I really like to drive home with people is, you know, don't fear sharks, respect the sharks. Uh, see them, seeing them here is an impression. It means it's good it's an important thing you know and a healthy environment is good for all of us you know and uh you know again be more afraid when you get behind the wheel of your car you know i think we'll all be better off
1: 27 speaks is sponsored by the law firm of toomey latham shea kelly dubin and cordoraro strong advocacy and attentive counsel be well advised suffolklaw.com
0: Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27east.com, and sagharborexpress.com. Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts.